Good morning, feeding frenzy, the nationwide baby formula shortage going from bad to worse. I went to 11 different stores and could not find any. The White House this morning scrambling to take action as desperate families face empty shelves. Inside, the new plan to replenish supplies and how soon it might help. New threats, Russia now warning of dire consequences and possible retaliation if Finland joins NATO. But Russia's invasion stalls in eastern Ukraine, facing heavy resistance. We're there live with the very latest. Going up, another day of extreme heat on tap across much of the country after record highs stretching from Texas all the way up to Maine. Al's got your full forecast, including where we could see severe weather this weekend. Crash course with fascination still surrounding that miracle landing by a passenger who'd never flown a plane. The question so many are asking this morning, how would you do under that pressure? Mayday, mayday, I need help. This morning, our Carrie Sanders in a flight simulator puts himself to the test. Those stories plus lifesavers. I was so happy. I was so grateful for those people. A woman saved by good Samaritans who raced into action after she suffered a medical emergency behind the wheel. We need more people like this. Her remarkable experience just ahead. And on top of the world, an Illinois teen becomes the youngest American woman ever to summit Mount Everest. She'll celebrate with us live, then head from the high peak to high school graduation today, Friday, May 13th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today on this Friday morning. Good to have you with us. Talk about an overachiever. What were you doing at 18? <laughs> I was thinking, what was I doing at 18? Oh, That's a wow. Huh? Yeah, she's on top of the world, yep. literally. And that is just the beginning of mm -hmm. this young lady from Illinois and her accomplishments. So we'll talk to her in a little bit from the world's mm -hmm. uh, highest <laughs> peak. But let's start with what has become quickly a national crisis. Parents from coast to coast in a state of panic over America's baby formula shortage. Yeah, the amount of formula now out of stock rising to 43%. So what is the reason? Well, it's a mix of su supply chain issues and product recalls. And to make matters worse, several states are now reporting more than half of all formula is sold out in stores. President Biden, under immense pressure to act, met with top manufacturers and retailers yesterday. And the question now is, will he invoke a federal law to boost the supply? NBC's Blaine Alexander in Atlanta with the latest. Blaine, good morning. Well, Savannah, good morning to you. You're right. For so many parents, this is truly the topic of conversation. The average three-month-old can go through a can this size in less than a week. So that's why there's growing pressure on the Biden administration to find a solution. This morning, for millions of parents, the frantic search for formula is getting closer to home. It's scary. It's scary not knowing if you're going to be able to feed your kid. And the shortage is growing. 43% of the nation's baby formula supply is out of stock. There was one day that I went to 11 different stores and could not find any. Overnight, the White House announced new steps to address the crisis as President Biden met with retailers and manufacturers, including Walmart, Target, Rickett and Gerber. Our message to parents is we hear you. We want to do everything we can. The administration is facing growing pressure. 
This is not a third world country. This should never happen in the United States of America. The new measures include increasing imports of formula, cutting red tape, and asking regulators in states to crack down on price gouging. But the White House acknowledged there is no timeline for when parents can expect to see the results on the shelves. We would certainly uh, encourage any parent who has concerns about their child's health or well-being to call their doctor or pediatrician. For many families, the need is dire. According to the CDC, only 25% of infants consume only breast milk through their first six months, and many rely on specific formula brands. I've seen moms in the store crying in the formula aisle because they can't find their baby's formula. Inventories are now so low that some major stores have put limits on how much baby formula you can buy at a time. The months-long shortage comes from a voluntary recall by manufacturer Abbott Nutrition. That prompted the shutdown of a major plant, all of it made worse by supply chain issues. Now, parents are scrambling for solutions. Online, searches for homemade formula have spiked, but experts warn against making your own or diluting formula as both could be harmful for your baby. We try to tell parents to remain calm and make sure that they contact us. Well, Blaine, you mentioned the president's new measures. Some lawmakers, including some Democrats, saying it needs to go farther. That's right, Savannah. Some are calling on him to invoke the Defense Production Act. It's a war-era measure that gives the president emergency powers to order some companies to produce certain goods. Now, it's something that the White House says that they are exploring, but already at least one company says they're already running their plants 24-7 around the clock, and they say that's only part of the solution. Savannah. All right, Blaine Alexander leading us off. Thank you, Blaine. Also this morning, escalating threats from Russia amid its assault on Ukraine that's now stalling in the east. Russia is now warning its neighbor, Finland, against joining NATO. NBC's Matt Bradley is in eastern Ukraine with the very latest. Hey, Matt. This morning, Russia warning of consequences and possible retaliation after its neighbor, Finland, announced it would apply to join NATO. Russia's President Putin previously suggesting Ukraine's desire to join the alliance is the reason he invaded. Finland's president telling Putin he is only himself to blame. You caused this. Look at the mirror. Sweden may follow suit, showing how Russian fears of NATO has given the alliance new purpose. In eastern Ukraine, Russia's invasion continues to stall. Ukraine's military said it destroyed a Russian pontoon bridge, as well as the Russian troops and tanks that were trying to cross it. And after months of bombarding the northeastern city of Kharkiv, Russian forces are now pulling back, according to the UK's Ministry of Defense. But even as Kharkiv grows more quiet, the city's subway stations are still packed with terrified residents. Lilia has been in this station for 11 weeks. She's only left a handful of times. What did you see the couple of times that you were upstairs? One of the times that I left the shelter, I saw rockets in the sky, she told me. When the bombs started falling a few months ago, this station offered a temporary refuge. Now it feels like a permanent community underground. Daily life is organized. The tents have a kind of address system. There's even a small school for children. These kids are all smiles, but they only get a few hours a day to see the sun. What is it like for you when you hear the shelling and the bombs? 
I feel panic and I want to go to the bunker, he said. So you're glad when you get down here, you feel safe when you're here? Yes. But Kharkiv subways can be as much about celebration as safety. Yesterday, this pop singer entertained hundreds of soldiers and first responders, showing there are bright lights even in the darkest of tunnels. Nice note to end on. That was NBC's Matt Bradley reporting for us from eastern Ukraine. Another major story this morning, the record number of migrants crossing the southern border with Washington clashing over how to respond. All eyes will be on a federal courthouse in Louisiana today in a case that attempts to block the Biden administration from lifting pandemic-related restrictions. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez near the border in Texas for us this morning. Hi, Gabe. Good morning. Savannah, good morning. Republicans are trying to make Title 42 a major issue this election year, and it could all come to a head later today. That's when a federal judge is set to weigh in on whether the Biden administration can end the policy that former President Trump used to keep migrants out. With border crossings already at their highest level in decades, this morning the Biden administration is facing growing concerns. The surge could grow even larger. There's bigger groups here, um, especially Cubans, uh, Haitians that are still coming through this area. In March, Customs and Border Protection reported more than 221,000 crossings, the highest in more than 20 years. Texas has launched a controversial multi-billion dollar effort to crack down, prosecuting some migrants without children for trespassing. This is something you see day in, day out, really around the clock. This is just nonstop, yeah. Over Eagle Pass, Texas, we ride along with troopers from the Texas Department of Public Safety in migrants wading across the Rio Grande, some holding children. One group includes more than 100 people, many from Cuba. The influx is constant, but local authorities we spoke with say that if Title 42 is lifted, this surge will be even worse. Title 42 is a public health policy that the Trump administration used during the pandemic to expel migrants. The Biden administration now wants to end it, saying it denies asylum seekers their rights but 21 Republican attorneys general have sued, arguing lifting Title 42 would attract even more migrants. Even some Democrats are against lifting it, especially in an election year. Title 42 needs to remain as is. You know, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't have the facilities. But Joanna from Ecuador, who's pregnant, says she could not wait. Why did you come here to the United States? I want to work, she says, describing how a gang back home threatened her. She and so many others risking their lives to come to the U.S. as a legal battle that could ultimately determine their fate plays out in court. The Department of Homeland Security says that it's preparing for up to 18,000 migrants a day to cross into the U.S. if Title 42 is lifted later this month. Savannah. We'll be watching, Gabe. Thank you very much. We have a lot more to get to, including the latest on that controversial shooting death of a respected journalist in the West Bank. Fears growing about potential classes as she is laid to rest in Jerusalem today. NBC's Raf Sanchez joins us now with the very latest. Hey, Raf, good morning. Howdy, good morning. Shireen Abu Akleh will be buried here in Jerusalem today amid high tensions. We are already hearing reports of confrontations between Israeli police and Palestinian mourners. One possible flashpoint, Palestinian flags. Israeli police often tear them down when they see them here in Jerusalem. So there may be trouble if Palestinians raise them during the funeral. Now, Al Jazeera says Abu Akleh was killed by Israeli troops. They're citing eyewitness reports 
from the crew that was with her. Israel says they are investigating, but that investigation has already become intensely political. The Israelis say the Palestinians are refusing to cooperate on a joint probe. The Palestinians say they simply do not trust Israel's military to accurately investigate its own troops. So still a lot of questions and the possibility of trouble to come here in Jerusalem. Hoda? All right, Rob, thank you so much for us there in Ramallah. And we move now to a new worry on Wall Street amid a roller coaster ride for stocks. It is even worse for crypto investors. Bitcoin and other digital currencies losing $200 billion in market value in a single day. NBC's Gotti Schwartz is here to explain what it all means. Gotti, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, there is a lot of anxiety for crypto investors right now. Remember, one of the big promises was that crypto would be this better alternative to centralized banking that could withstand inflation and stock market volatility. But now the crypto world is being shaken to its core. With those who almost... Despite high-profile celebrity endorsements, cryptocurrency has been in a sudden freefall. Since that Matt Damon ad aired during the Super Bowl, Bitcoin, the biggest and best-known digital currency, has lost half its value. This week, dropping below 27000 for the first time in over 16 months. The reason, experts say, can be traced back to the collapse of a controversial South Korean cryptocurrency Luna and its counterpart Terra, known as a stablecoin, because it's supposed to stay pegged to the U.S. dollar. But this week, the crypto version of a run on a bank sent the value of Luna plummeting, making it almost worthless. The nosedive sending shockwaves all across major crypto exchanges, wiping out nearly $200 billion in wealth overnight. One user posting on Reddit, I lost over 450k USD. I cannot pay the bank, adding, I will lose my home soon. We've been seeing more and more patients coming in with problems related to trading cryptocurrency or using software to trade online. As the volatility continues, mental health professionals say they're seeing more and more patients whose crypto trading is interfering with their everyday lives. They've made a lot of these financial decisions by themselves late at night on their phones without proper training, without proper support. But some crypto enthusiasts insist volatility is simply a chance to buy low. I think the main thing is that this is the moment of peak opportunity. We're really entering the place where this is going to be an amazing entry point over the next several years. And there are a whole lot of people exposed. Back in 2015, only 1% of people owned crypto. Now, 16% are trading digital currencies, which is about 52 million Americans, something that hasn't escaped the notice of Congress, where lawmakers have been talking about how to regulate crypto, starting with those stable coins. Mm -hmm. Guys? All right. We're going to smile and nod at you, Gotti. Thank, <laughs> Thank you very you, Gotti. much. We have a lot more to get to, including our first check of the weather for that. Good morning, Mr. Roper. Hey, good morning, guys. So we had some severe weather rolling in. This is a time lapse from the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Well, look at this storm coming in. This storm cut. They had 80 mile per hour wind gusts. There was structural damage. Just crazy stuff. And let's look at what's happening today with our severe weather. We have a risk of severe weather today stretching from Green Bay all the way back to Sanderson, Texas. Nine million people at risk for, again, wind gusts of up to 60 miles per hour. Tornado threats low. That's the good news. For Saturday, it stretches Green Bay, Chicago, down to Oklahoma City, Nashville. Wind gusts of 60 miles per hour. And again, a low risk of tornadoes. However, as we move on into Sunday, a bigger risk. 33 million people, likely wind gusts, damaging hail. The possibility of tornadoes exists. And that stretches all the way from Pittsburgh down into Tulsa and Little Rock. And record highs as that 
that uh, big area of high pressure dominates. Look at this. Today, Chicago may tie a record almost 90. Same in St. Louis. Buffalo getting up to 84. Caribou, Maine, 85 degrees. Crazy stuff. Albany getting up to 83. Tomorrow, that warmth continues. Boston, you're going to pop up. Look at that. 82 for you. 75 in uh, Philadelphia. 80 in Detroit. But as we head on toward the beginning of next week, temperatures come back down to earth. We're looking at 66 degrees in uh, Portland. What were you doing? What, what was going I'm on? I'm just happy. I saw 78. In, in oh, New I just York. saw you. Going. I'm so happy. Yeah. Just, we I, just cheer for you, oh, Alex. Okay, I just do. I wasn't sure. I thought was, was my fly down. What was going on? Uh, 66 in Chicago. If that happens, 60. we're going to be like, Al, your fly is down. Thank you Let's very much. You. And yes. then you would be laughing too. Yeah. That's your latest weather coming up next yeah. half hour. What? Lunar eclipse. Oh. Talking. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I okay. love that. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Coming up, we've been talking about this one all week, that miracle landing by a passenger who had no flying experience. Question is, could you pull it off if you were put in that unenviable position? We'll show you what happened when Carrie Sanders hopped into a flight simulator to find out how cool he is under pressure. Exactly, I think real cool. <laughs> Plus, the amazing teenager from Illinois, she just made history yesterday. She became the youngest American woman to summit Mount Everest. She's with us. She's gonna celebrate that remarkable feat. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed we're back 7 30 it's a friday morning it's Friday the 13th. Oh. Do we really care if it's Friday? No, we no, don't. Look at, no, we don't. look at our plaza crowd. They came to celebrate, and we're going to celebrate with them. I see old Miss in the house. Uh, we're going to go outside just a little bit and visit. Meantime, inside Studio 1A, Chanel joins us early. Was we're happy not to have superstitious. No. Unless that jinxes us. <laughs> and then I don't wanna, yeah, okay. All right. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you with us. It's Friday morning. Let us check your 730 headlines. Tech billionaire Elon Musk tweeted this morning that his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter is temporarily on hold. Musk says the glitch is over a report about the number of fake accounts on the platform. He said that cracking down on them was one of his main reasons for trying to buy Twitter. The value of Twitter's stock has also dropped during the recent slides on Wall Street. The horse that stunned the world by winning the Kentucky Derby will not be going after racing's Triple Crown. Its owner just announced Rich Strike will not compete in the Preakness next Saturday. He said it was always the plan to let the colt rest for five weeks after the Derby, so it will be ready to race in the Belmont Stakes in June. Rich Strike, by the way, if you remember, 80-1 to long shot when it captured the Derby title. 
A Florida woman who survived a frightening ordeal that was caught on camera is thanking the whole team of Good Samaritans. A medical issue caused her to pass out at the wheel. Her car began drifting toward a busy intersection, as you see here. One of her co-workers noticed and tried to stop the car. Then several strangers rushed over to help, finally bringing it to a stop. The rescue driver says she hopes the video inspires others. This is more of what should be happening instead of what is happening right now. And we need more people like this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Another sign that luck was with her, a nurse who was in a nearby parking lot was able to provide medical care until an ambulance arrived. Wow. Glad she's okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, meantime, for days, we have just been captivated by that story of the passenger, the guy with no flight experience who safely landed a small plane after the pilot passed out. It was a truly mm -hmm. remarkable feat, and that had us wondering, wouldn't it be interesting to show how difficult it would be for mm -hmm. someone who is not a pilot to stick the landing? And that's where our guinea pig, NBC's <laughs> Carrie Sanders, came in. Hi, Carrie. Don't try this at home, right? Hi, guys. I have even more respect for the passenger term pilot, Darren Harrison. Uh, no, I didn't fly in a plane like this. Instead, I got into a simulator, and that's about as close as anyone would get to the real-world pressure that Darren faced. It can take months to years to learn to fly a small plane. So when Darren Harrison, a passenger turned pilot, safely landed a Cessna 208 when the pilot became unconscious mid-flight. I've got a serious situation here about pilot uh, It was nothing short of a miracle. Did you say the passengers landed the airplane? That's correct. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. No, great job. Even professional pilots applauding. Air traffic controller and weekend flight instructor Bobby Morgan safely guided Harrison behind the controls. What were you thinking as you knew that the hardest part of this now was going to be bringing them in for a landing? Mostly just staying calm. I found out that's not so easy. I'm in a simulator and we're going to give it a shot. So the plane is in a steep dive. I'm going to try to pull it up nice and level. I'm not a pilot. I've never done this before. And now I'm going to call for help. Mayday, Mayday, I need help. All right, no problem, just keep calm. I'm here to help you. Camilla so Ruiz is a certified flight instructor. What do I do? Keep turning to the right. My approach into Palm Beach International Airport was a struggle. Nothing's happening. I'm going into trees. I just, I don't know. I landed but then I crashed. It's a good thing that I'm in a simulator because if this had been a real plane, there are no do-overs. What do you make of what I just did? I was pretty good. Good? I know, this is hard. What do you think of the passenger who became the pilot and stuck the landing? Amazing. Amazing because mm -hmm. it wasn't a simulator, it was real life. Uh, I, I still can't even get my head around the fact that he was able to do it. For you, Carrie, what was the hardest part of that simulator? Uh, well, first of all, it's not like driving a car. So when you turn, it's sort of delayed. And then when I went too far and I tried to turn back, I overcompensated. Mm -hmm. I missed the runway, landed on the grass. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I didn't really understand how to stop because he kept saying, hit the pedals, hit the pedals. It was only after the fact that I learned you take the pedals and you can see it right here. You point your toes oh and that goodness. engages the brake. So the fact that he hit the runway dead on, that he was able to do this landing, he was never behind the flight controls of a plane. Uh, 
I think it tells us that Darren is one in a million. <laughs> and also, that you never want me to fly a plane uh, for you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carrie, thank you. It's okay. all, I mean, we've just been so captivated by this. Well, I mean, first of all, to look at that entire panel of knobs, buttons, and mm. things, and to understand. And who would have ever dreamt that you need to have two feet on a on a brake no to, to stop it? No one. No, and wow. I think didn't they, didn't we say that he it actually went, had to pull? He he got the the plane out of a dive himself. before he even yeah. called. By the way, how do you even know how to call? How yeah. to call. Remember, yeah. we had to plug it in. I mean, wow. incredible. That was really cool. no small All right, feet. thank you, Carrie. Coming up next, inside a remarkable feat on Mount Everest, an Illinois teen becoming the youngest American woman to reach the summit. And guess what? She's going to join us live less than one day after she made history. We look forward to chatting with Lucy. But first, these messages. <laughs> Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console console. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet. Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back this morning on In-Depth Today, history high atop Mount Everest. Yeah, an adventurous 18-year-old from Illinois just climbed into the record books as the youngest American woman to ever reach that summit. Her name, Lucy Westlake. And by the way, she did it just 10 days before she'll walk in her high school graduation. <laughs> Lucy's with us live from Nepal. But before we talk to her, let's just take a closer look at her historic trek. Lucy Westlake is standing at the top of the world. After reaching Mount Everest's peak yesterday morning, the 18-year-old is now the youngest American woman to summit Everest's highest point, more than 29,000 feet. That's about as high as 18 Empire State Buildings. The Illinois teen completing her Everest expedition in just 24 days. I used to actually be afraid of heights, which is very ironic. Lucy started her mountaineering adventures with her dad when she was just seven years old. I'm at the top of New Mexico on Wheeler Peak. And she's no stranger to breaking records. Last year, she became the youngest woman to reach the highest points in all 50 states. You did it! World record. From Mount Kilimanjaro to Aconcagua, Lucy has reached great heights all over the globe. We can see the top. Boop. Right there. But Lucy says this is just the start. She wants to complete the Explorer's Grand Slam, a climbing challenge to ascend up the highest mountain on each continent and go to the North and South Poles. Now, after Everest, she only has four to go. For me, it's not about breaking records. It's about pushing limits. But first, Lucy will take on a brand new challenge of a different kind, starting her freshman year at USC and distance running for the Trojans on the track and field team. 
Wowza. <laughs> Fresh off her record-breaking <laughs> climb, Lucy's joining us from her hotel in oh. Nepal. Lucy, we just have to say, wow, we are marveling at your life. You're just 18 years old. But will you take us into that moment where you stood atop Mount Everest? It's a feat you usually do with your father. This time you did it solo. Just, just take us inside that moment. Yeah, oh my gosh, it was absolutely incredible being at the top. I I just couldn't imagine that I was at the top of the world. Like I looked down and there was no other, there was no, nothing higher, but still. And it was actually, I thought I was going to cry at the top. I really did. But I actually cried like an hour before the top, mm. which was so strange. It was like when the sun was rising and I thought we had like three more hours to go. And I asked my Sherpa, I was like, how long to the top? And he was like, one more hour. And I was like, I was like, I just knew I was going to make it right then. So oh. I, like, I started crying. <laughs> it's, it's such an incredible feat. I mean, getting to the top and getting down mm -hmm. and you did all of that. What motivates you, Lucy? Mm -hmm. You know, the old joke is like, why do you climb mountains? And they say, because it's there, mm -hmm. you know, but what, but you have something deeper motivating you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always been adventurous and I've always loved the mountains, but as I, as the mountains grew and it got harder, I really had to find that like deeper motivation to still, to still want to do them. And it's really just like pushing my limits. I just want to see how far my body and mind can go. And, and I hope to inspire others to do the same because it's really like, that's how you figure out who you are. That's how you, how you discover yourself and discover more about the world is, is just seeing how far that that your body and mind can go. And so far, I mean, I made it to the top of Everest, so I think I'm doing pretty well so far. But, yeah, you're doing, uh, really, you're doing really, really well. I think what's great about you is <laughs> a lot of people do these kinds of adventures for themselves. Like, I did it, I made it to the top. I feel like your mission is much bigger than just about Lucy. Yeah, for sure. I I actually really have a passion for the world water crisis. And so I hope to raise money and awareness through my climbing for that. Um, that's a, one of my big motivations. But also on Everest, this specific ex expedition was to was to help bring more women into the outdoors because I'm it's just I was actually surprised that there were a good amount of women on Everest and it made me smile like walking by them. But but there's still it's such like such a sport that's dominated by men so and it really like younger people i also want to get in the mountains because i know they'll love it i know it should be a place for everybody everybody who wants to be there so now look lucy a lot of your expeditions you've done with your father this one you were alone <laughs> obviously with the, with sherpas and, and there's a team it takes a, a village literally to get up the side of mount everest but what do your parents think it's not like you can text from the top of mount everest and be like i'm cool <laughs> were, were they nervous about this one yeah, definitely. I, they have a lot of trust in me. They do. And our trust has grown over time. My mom, I honestly think she was more nervous about like the smaller mountains when I was like seven or eight than she is now, just cause like that trust has really grown. But I, one of the hardest parts, maybe the hardest part for me was, was not having my dad there, just being like completely alone. And I, I love my Sherpa. Like he was, he was amazing. He was like my stand in dad, but it's, it's not the same. It was really tough being away from, from everyone, like anyone I knew for 26 days. I was on the mountain for 26 days. Well, wow. him, but well, <laughs> yeah. you're heading to high school graduation, which is exciting. It's going to be a big time for you in June. And then you're off to USC and you're going to you're going to run on their cross country uh, track team. So uh, just just tell me a little bit about what's ahead for you. 
Yeah, I my next like big big mission is to just go to USC and see what I can do running because that's like an equal passion to mountaineering. I love running so much and I I missed it on the mountain. I tried to run like the first few days. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I had like one of my friends run with me, but yeah, that didn't last long. That didn't last long. So so I'm really excited to back train summer, get ready, and then in the fall hit USC cross country team hard. And then after that I'm hoping to be able like I to do the Explorers Grand Slam. That is also one of my big goals. So I have um, a trip to Antarctica left to do Mount Vincent and the South Pole, the North Pole after that, or in any order, the North Pole and then Carson's Pyramid. So I'm also really hoping to do this. Well, wow. Lucy, you blow us away. Yeah. <laughs> you truly do. And we'll be calling your mother later to find out yes. how she did it because you are an incredible young lady, but I think she'd say it comes straight from you. Yeah. Best of luck to you. Congratulations, Lucy. Thank you. Oh, wow. You're welcome. What a sweet kid. Oh. oh, my God. I'm totally blown away by her. Wow. Long distance runner. Yeah. Has yeah. a 4.6 GPA. Yeah. Graduated early from, from high school, actually. She's just going to go yeah. walk with her graduating class. Going to USC. Super nice. Let's and go home and ground our kids. Yeah. <laughs> or homeschool them or do whatever Lucy's mom did. It's incredible, yeah. Al. Wow. I'm exhausted. Right. She's amazing. She is amazing. Wow. Well, I almost feel like there's a letdown, but <laughs> if you have been feeling a little sneezy or a little uh, itchy, guess what? Moderate to high pollen levels for 90% of the country. And in fact, the heaviest part from the plains, the northern plains, the Midwest into the northeast. So keep those Kleenex handy. And we've got a partial eclipse on Sunday. Begins at 1027 p.m. Look to the southeastern sky. Oh, stay away from any artificial lighting. And then the total begins just about 1139. The, the moon will have a reddish glow. It's a flower moon uh, for this time of year for May. And then we will start to see this move away. Total eclipse ends at 1253. And then the partial eclipse ends at 155 a.m. So you'll be up late, but it'll be worth it. And that's your latest weather. See, the, the solar eclipse is during the day. We, the we were just eclipse. talking about we, yeah. we feel like we see a lot of eclipses. Yeah, once don't. In a lifetime. you don't. I was just curious. over it. Okay. She's like, the eclipse is so last year. Lucy seems even more impressive. Yeah, exactly. Now that we've seen Lucy, nothing really compares. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Still ahead, new images of the queen this morning. Her surprise appearance after some recent concerns over her health. We'll have that. But first, these messages. Just ahead, Carson's going to 11 on Popstar with everything we know about a sequel for one of the most beloved mockumentaries of all time, Spinal Tap. Uh, coming up, your 8 o'clock hour. <laughs>